0: Well, hello there, beautiful entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. I am thrilled to have an amazing interview available for you today with the crazy brilliant Elena Lipson, a coach and teacher that focuses on being productive and reaching your goals because of self-care. Ooh, that's a hard one. We're going to talk about energy cycles, a morning routine, what it can do for your life and your business, and about what to do with those fearful thoughts that can sometimes take over when you're facing something that you haven't done before. I can tell you from experience that even for someone that is not a morning person, that morning routine is truly life-changing. If you love this episode, will you do me a favor sneak over into iTunes, Subscribe and leave a review. This week's review of the week comes from Brooke Davis. She just happens to have a fabulous first name. And she said, I have been following Brooke Summer for a few years on Facebook and have been a part of her Business Straight Up Facebook group for over a year. And I am super excited for her to have her own podcast. She is an amazing businesswoman and has also given great advice that is straightforward and always, always helpful. I look forward to listening and being inspired by her in another format. Thank you so much, Brooke. Keep an eye out for a message on Facebook or an email with a fun prize because I have these new fun prizes that I want to give out for the review of the week. I know it takes a few minutes, but those reviews mean the world to me and help me to know what you need help with so that I can create episodes to rock your world and your business. So head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. Let's move forward. Let's talk with Elena. Are you ready? Because I am. Let's do this. Hey, hey there, awesome people. I am Brooke Summer and you are listening to Business Straight Up, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs to learn, connect, grow, and build the business and life that they dream of. Welcome. Let's get going and dive right in. Welcome, welcome beautiful entrepreneurs. I am so excited to have an amazing guest today. Her name is Elena, Elaine, sorry, did I say that wrong? Elena <laughs> Limson. She is a self-care mentor and coach, and I'm really thrilled cuz we're going to talk about something that I feel like gets watered down a lot and that we don't pay a lot of attention to. So, welcome Elena.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I agree. We need to talk a lot more about what we're going to talk about today, which is self-care and how to put yourself first and all those juicy bits.
0: Absolutely. I have been watching all of your posts and your Facebook and your social media. And every time you post, I just resonate with what you say so much. There are so many of us that just don't take care of ourselves the way we should. And I am one of those people as well, but in ways that we never thought, like it's not just about bubble baths and stuff. So we'll go into that more. <laughs> but first, I want to know a little bit about your background. I know that you hit a wall with hustling and the hustle is real when you have your own business. So what happened and where did your passion for teaching self-care come from?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you the shorter version of my life story. Um, But basically, I don't have anything against hustle. I think there's a time and place for hustle. But the way I live my life is I like to define things on my own terms. So I think this whole sort of hustle phenomenon mentality, you know, climb the ladder kind of thing is, it's going to be whatever you make it. So for me, my version of it was, I just always had this vision and idea and fundamental belief that success comes from your effort and your hard work. And so that's how I proceeded to live my life. So as a family, we came to the U.S. when I was about six years old. And with that came this mentality of you're responsible for creating everything you're going to create. You have to work hard day and night, like, you know, climb that ladder, When I grew up, I came to the East Coast in New York City. And that's really important because New York City has a very specific kind of vibration where the streets are paved with gold, but you got to go out there and get it right. So my vision when I was growing up was that I was going to end up in this big, high rise office with lots of windows wearing a gorgeous Valentino suit and shoes and you know, have the cool bag like just that kind of vision. And that required a certain kind of mentality and work. So I hustled in high school, I graduated a year early, I went and almost double majored in college. And I got a job while I was in college. So I was working full time and going to college. And I was basically on my own financially since I was 16. And I just spent that whole like my late teen years and my 20s in that mentality of climbing the ladder, getting that corporate job. And at some point, I ended up just believing that that was the only way. So I was very into psychology and I was also really into business I, so I ended up majoring in organizational psychology which kind of mashed the two and I still really love it and it serves me really well to this day so I climbed the ladder of corporate in the like training world which I really loved and I learned how to create curriculum and be in front of the classroom and travel and create you know courses and so everything that serves me today so I believe that my version of hustle really served me today but what was happening during that time and I do believe that your 20s and even into your 30s there's this energy in your life right it's like the the sunrise of your life it's like this newness it's this possibility and potentiality and so that is a good time to be out there and creating and pushing and you know energetically sort of out there in the world because I didn't have a husband, I didn't have a kid, I didn't have any of the things that sort of weigh you down in terms of responsibility and being grounded in the way that I am now in my 40s. So I worked, that was my life. I did the whole weekend thing, maybe take a week vacation and then go back to work was like that Monday through Friday and beyond lifestyle, which is fine. It was what I knew. I didn't understand anything differently. Even though my dad was an entrepreneur, he had his own business. My mom worked sort of the typical schedule. Somewhere in between was my existence. And my existence consisted of working a lot. And again, I really love to work. And in that path, this is kind of where my journey to self-care really begins was during my, I actually took a new job as a corporate training manager for this real estate company. And the owner hired a executive coaching team, which was these two women. And they came in and they did this whole weekend training for us on communications and coaching internally. And I basically looked at these two women and I was so excited and so curious by what they were doing. I'm like, okay, here's this external company. They're probably getting paid really, really well. They're coming in for the weekend. They're teaching us this thing. It's really fun. It's interactive. Like, I want to do that. (laughs) I had this moment of I'll have what she's having. And so from that moment, I hired that woman to be my own coach personally. And the company hired her for me within the corporation to do some like train me and how to train other people, like kind of train the trainer thing. And I basically start at that point, I started my own coaching business. (laughs) And I was still working in the corporate world. And so over the next several years, I was kind of doing double duty, which my Gemini spirit just sort of leans to I want, I want this and that I want both things. And which was great and exciting. And I was building my business and I was getting clients and I was doing work in a corporate environment. But my body was starting to feel the effects of this. So Every few months I started probably in my mid twenties, I started getting this sort of like seasonal flu thing that started happening. And I didn't know that what was starting at that point was an autoimmune disease that was not going to be diagnosed for like another seven years. But during that time I started getting like, I would just get really tired all of a sudden and I would get the seasonal flu, which would just knock me out for like four days. And I didn't, again, I didn't know what that was and no one had language around it. It was just pretty normal. I was like exhausted because I was working a lot. Right. So it was expected. The hustle was sort of like revered, right? It's that busy badge, like the busier you yes. are, the better. And that did not yes. That did not mean that I stopped going to clubs. It did not mean that I stopped having a social life. It did not mean that I stopped dating. Like I was still doing those things because you know, you want to, when you have the energy That's to point. do it because it's life, right? You want to live life. So I lived that way for a good several years. And then somewhere along the way, I did end up meeting the man who now is now my husband. We've been together for nearly 19 years now. And then I got pregnant, still working. I literally worked pretty much up until I had my son, like right up until the last day. And then my son was born. And so something within me was clear enough to say, which is part of the reason why I really wanted to start the coaching business, because I wanted to have more say over my own schedule. I didn't want to have to ask anyone for time off if my little baby was sick or, I you know, I was like kind of preparing for motherhood with that coaching business. Yes. Um, but when my son was born, we ended up moving to a whole different state. So away from family, starting a whole new life. And I had this idea that I was going to start an online business <laughs> because that's kind of where <laughs> The industry was going. Now, I had created my first coaching website and I had done all that. So technology doesn't scare me. So I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I don't care what it takes. So I ended up starting my first online business when my son was about six months old. So essentially, I never really stopped working. I just kind of started working differently. I had my son in one hand, I was building a website and everything else with the other hand and still feeling the effects of all that happens when you have a child, especially your first child, which is exhausted, I was, you know, nursing, and we were co sleeping, and we were doing all those things I was like discovering. And so my body that had been having these like seasonal flu things, and like, quote, unquote, flu things, that's what I was calling it, then started experiencing even more symptoms where I was having bend over like, Bad pains in my stomach. I would have really bad digestion issues in general. My skin looked funky. Like I just felt I was, let's see, my, when my son was born, I was 30. So by the time he was around two, I was like feeling like I was having an out of body experience. I was sad for no reason. I was tired. Maybe it was partially postpartum. I don't know. It was a combination of things that were happening all together. And finally, when he was about two, I hit this wall where I literally. I started going to doctors. No one could figure out what was wrong with me. I was having colonoscopies and CAT scans and blood work. And like, no one knew what was happening, but I'm like, my body is falling apart. I do not feel good. I feel like I'm sick. I feel like I have a fever. My gut hurts, like all these different things were happening. And finally, serendipitously, someone was like, you should see a naturopath. And I'd never seen one before. And I got this blood work done. And Finally, she's like, oh, well, you have Epstein-Barr virus. I'm like, well, what is that? (laughs) And she literally described to a T all of the symptoms that I was having over the years. And I just sat there like pretty much in tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought I had like, I didn't know. And I actually, they did end up diagnosing me with precancerous colon cells because of this sort of searching in my body for things. And what it was telling me was my body was just not in a good place. (laughs) It was not, I mean, not that I wasn't like, counter taking care of myself. Like I wasn't pushing myself into the ground, but I wasn't doing the basic daily things that I do now. I wasn't Mm -hmm. listening to my body. It was almost like the theme of that time of hustle was pushing through. There was no sense of checking in with my body to see how I was doing. It was like, no, this is the next thing on the schedule. And that's what we're going to do. We'll sleep later. Right. So that was the kind of mentality. And there is a time and place for that for sure. But I just have seen so many women who I've worked with over the years and in my own life that that really never leads to sort of this spacious, you know, graceful, easeful way that I choose to now intentionally be in the world. So I think all those years of not listening, of pushing through, of just trusting that, you know, my body was going to be there no matter what. So I was living in my head mostly, right? Like, this makes sense. This is the next thing. This is what I'm going to do. I was not living in my body as intentionally the way I do now. So during that whole experience of figuring out like, oh, I have this thing now. I have this autoimmune issue that is actually kind of a gift in its own funny way, because it never goes away, it goes dormant. And what happens is, when I go under stress, and I don't take care of it, my body starts to feel sick. So, I have this sort of built in flag system of knowing that I can't push past a certain point. But not only that, but if I do things differently, if I do things with a consideration of rest and ease and like doing the things that I know my body needs, like nature and good sleep and good nutrition, I actually have a lot more energy than I've ever had. And I can do more without necessarily, like, it doesn't necessarily have to come with the hustle or the push. I know that I can leverage. I can work. I hate saying work smart. I've never liked that thing, but I can really do more in a small amount of time with focused energy versus like this tired energy that I had before that felt like sort of foggy and not quite focused and not strategic. Whereas now I know that I can focus and get stuff done and then I can go play and both things are important, right? So that's very different mentality than I had before because play and vacation sort of was pushed away for that designated week or the weekend, <laughs> whereas now it's literally embedded into the daily practices that I teach and that I embody, which is why I call myself a mentor, because I feel like it's on me then as a mentor to embody what I teach at a very deep level versus just teaching it like at the front of the classroom, like I used to do, you know, that's like learning something and teaching it versus I'm living this so deeply so that when you tell me every time I see your social media post, I resonate with it that to me is validation that I'm showing up in a way that is resident and is really intentional versus just yeah. strategic, you know? So yeah.
0: I love that. I also struggle with autoimmune. I have psoriatic arthritis mm-hmm. and it kind of forces you to really stop and say, okay, do I really need to be doing this right now? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It kind of forces you to look at that, um, which as you said, is a blessing, but it's also hard to to not be able to operate the way that you're used to, you have to change things up, but it is definitely a blessing. Why should we care about self-care? I mean, other than the obvious, like we don't want to run ourselves into the ground, but what does it have to do with business strategy and accomplishing our goals in our business and overall our life?
1: Yeah, I think we sort of touched on it already. You know, self-care to me at the core of it is about managing your energy. It's about giving yourself Presence and awareness of what your energy is doing at any given point so that you know how to appropriately take action in your business. So, for example, like I've learned that my energy cycle is very lit up in the morning. I have a lot of sort of this outgoing, outward facing energy. So, that's the time I do calls like this, or I will do calls for my membership group, or I will record Facebook Lives. I'll sort of be outward facing. And then in the afternoon, my energy tends to dip a little bit. So I want to like maybe snuggle on the couch with my laptop and maybe write some emails or do some graphic design work from my, you know, Facebook ad or something like that. So I, I will match my energy to what I have to do in my business. And I found that, yes, there are times like, say, if I'm launching or doing something else, there's definitely, you know, sort of out of rhythm things that I might be doing. But even, even then I find I have so much more energy. So self-care is a lifestyle, it's a mindset, knowing that my main job is to address, be aware of set intention, start my day in a certain way so that I have the enthusiasm and the energy and the magnetism, right? The attraction point so that I can, whatever I do is not done out of obligation. It's not done out of resentment. It's not done out of this, like I have to do this in my business. It's more like taking the time to understand what I really love doing in my business and doing that at the times that, that it works the best for me. And then everything else, I can do it other times or delegate or not do it all, right? Like we don't yes. have to do anything in our business. We choose to do things in our business. And we can choose to do it in a way that feels good to us. Because when I, I find that if you're the more you push against that and the more you do things out of thinking that that's the way it has to be done that's when you're moving further and further away from that resonance point of someone just wanting to work with you and out of the blue, like there's more and more. Once you go into that place of working out of your energy versus out of, out of obligation, you actually start to attract more opportunities. You actually start to have people email you and say, Hey, be on my podcast or, Hey, I have this great retreat I'm hosting and I'd love to have you co-host. And all these things happen when I'm daily aligned with what I know I want to talk about with how I want to show up with clear framework, understanding of my work, right? So that all happens because I take the time to care for myself in my life, in my business and in the bedroom. That's what I talk about. It all has to be aligned because if one is fully off, then that, that your presence is going to be off Um, Your motivation is going to be off that that three seconds of courage to take that risk that opens up a new door is going to be off because you're going to be in constant state of doubt and fear. So that's where self-care practices come in really importantly is that I know that if I do my morning practice and if I set my intention, I'm going to show up to this conversation with you, Brooke, in a very different way versus rushing and being like, oh, my God, next thing, next thing. Oh, my gosh, I got to do this. You know, my, my whole energy would be different. And why bother? Like to me, it's like, why bother if I don't want to do this and I'm doing it and it shows? Why bother? Right. I want to be here because it lights me up. I want to walk away from this conversation feeling like I served your audience and that they walk away inspired to try something new or to even think about, well, how am I feeling in my body right now? Right. And so to me, that feels like a huge part of my purpose here.
0: I absolutely love that. I feel like what you're talking about in self-care also lends itself very deeply to what some people call flow and learning what lights you up, not just in actions externally, um, such as like, I really like to go for walks or I really like to do things like that, but also learning about your energy and when you have the higher energy points and to honor that instead of trying to force through. And that's something I've been kind of, I wouldn't say struggling. I've been learning more in the last year of there are certain Times that I just don't feel like doing anything. And I used to beat myself up about that. But I think it's just my body telling me, you know what? Go take a nap. It's okay. You can do it. The world is not going to end.
1: Totally. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny. I was just listening to this interview on another podcast. <laughs> it was the Good Life Project. <laughs> and it was this um, author I'd never heard of. His name is Dan Pink. And he was writing, a, uh, talking about this book he had just written all about time and how to manage your own energy with your time your schedule I'm like I'm sitting there like of course like this is everything I've always been talking about and he took it to another level he was like very strategic about it which is awesome because I love hearing men talk about this because yes. it seems like a foo woman thing to talk about energy, but it's really not. And I've had male clients in the past who really benefit from um, addressing their you know, their breath and their body and how they are in their meetings. It really changes everything. Um, but he was really talking about like acknowledging the fact that there is this real dip in your energy that happens at, for certain people at different times. And if you can start to be in flow with those dips and valleys and, and everything in between, you can start to create your day based on your sort of blueprint of your energetic day, right? So I think that's a really important awareness to have. So yeah, and, and that flow state exactly is exactly what I'm talking about. But it, it, you know, people hear it and they get excited by it. What I get really excited about is not just talking about it and not just getting people excited about it or enthusiastic about it, or they're like nodding their head, but then they walk away and do the same thing anyway, is I love yes. to reverse engineer what I teach. So when I started thinking about how to teach what I teach, I created this sort of three-step framework of my divine self-care teaching, but then it turned into like a whole year of teaching. So I have a year-long program where we're in our fourth year and we talk about these amazing concepts like time and sexuality and beauty and everything in between relationships and all stemming from this lens of self-care. How do I make myself a priority so that I can serve you know, my family and my kids and my clients, et cetera. But I I love to reverse engineer things because people, when I ask people why they join my community, one of the major things is time, um, not knowing where to start, not having the tools. So I think Mm -hmm. the more simple we can make it in terms of, okay, well, what does self-care actually look like in my day besides the bath, which is definitely part of it. You know, then, then I think we start hitting a place where people are like, oh, okay, I can do that and start to, become make it sort of like an experiment. If I tried, like one of the major things that I teach all the time, and that I give away for free all the time on my website is the magic morning practice, which is a very simple three step. I teach it like if you have three minutes, and if you don't have three minutes to spend on yourself in the morning, we really need to talk because something (laughs) is way off. If yes, I mean, I have friends and clients who have five kids and clients who have no kids and everything in between. And you have to you have to make your energy and your presence a priority, because if you don't, then everything else from there is sort of tainted with your own, I guess tired self or your resentful self, or it's you're just not showing up the way you want to show up, right? So I, I teach the magic morning practice as a place to start because I've seen in my own life and in my clients' lives, if you can start with this intentionality in the morning, it really ripples out into everything else. It ripples out into patience with your children it ripples out into enthusiasm for working with your clients and the courage to do the work that it requires to be who you are in the world right as an entrepreneur because it's it's almost like you have to constantly be filling that well of courage daily in order to show up and press record in order to show up and write that newsletter in order to show up and like you know throw that um, rock into the pond, that's going to ripple out into an opportunity two months from now, you have to do that on a daily basis almost, right? So I feel like those little morning practices, the way I teach it is is really sort of the less but better more consistently to me feels more powerful than trying to change your entire life. And say, I'm going to start working out and eating better and and doing yoga and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like that, to me, feels not realistic. And I haven't seen anyone decide to do all that and do all of it consistently over time. <laughs> like you can commit to yes. one thing, one thing done over time is going to it moves mountains, right? Like trying to move a, a cruise ship. It's one degree at a time. It's not like I'm going to go from not doing any yoga to being able to do a handstand. It's going to take time. It takes time to get there.
0: Yes. I love what you said about smaller changes consistently. I, uh we recently did The Miracle Morning uh the book with my boss book club and we absolutely loved it mm-hmm. but I really struggle with
1: their you're familiar with that book right we've talked I about do it. I have it on my on my um bookshelf somewhere there yes. like I should have written that book that's my book <laughs> No it's <laughs> Well good.
0: there's in that book there's six things that he says that you should do every morning mm-hmm. and I really struggle I'm kind of an all or nothing kind mm-hmm. of girl like mm-hmm if I can't do all six then I'm not doing any of them and I'm, I've been really struggling the last month or so because my daughter has been getting up earlier. She's three. Mm -hmm. And so she'll come into bed and snuggle with me Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say no to that. (laughs) So I've just kind of been picking and choosing the, the little pieces of miracle morning that I can do. And I love that you set it up for consistency instead of grandiose. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, that, that really stemmed from my own experience, because I have been doing my magic morning practice for 10 years now. And my son is 12. So I've been doing it since he was two, which is that time where everything blew up in my life and my body. And I I, luckily at that time, what I didn't mention at that time is I um, there was a morning where I was just sobbing in my car, just, you know, sobbing like, oh, my God, what's going on? And my sister called and my sister, luckily, she lives in California, but she called and she's like, are you okay And I literally like the floodgates open and I'm not someone who like I process a lot of things internally. So for me to be crying and be like that open in that moment, she knew something was totally wrong because usually I'm like the strong, consistent one. And she was like, are you okay? What's going on? And I couldn't quite put my finger on it because really I wasn't sure what was going on. On the outside, everything looked fine. On the inside, I just felt like I was sort of crumbling because my body didn't feel good. And she's like, well, I remember when you lived here in California, you were so happy when you were doing yoga. Why don't you try a yoga class? And it was like just divine intervention because that was exactly what I needed. I ended up going to a yoga class the next day. And then I would go like three to five days a week to this one class. And the woman who was teaching it was this um, psychologist who who had the school of psychology of yoga. And I ended up doing a six-month retreat with her which was a huge deal because I wasn't making any money at that point. I had taken some time off from making money because I felt so, I just didn't know what to do. I had sold my business that I started when my son was six months old. I sold it. I'm like, I can't even think about making money right now because I can't even think about anything. I just feel so lost. And I ended up taking this retreat. And in that retreat, in that six-month retreat, it was really the first time in my life that I sat in a circle of women and heard the similarities and heard the stories and heard the desires, and heard the complaints, and heard the disconnection from your body and from each other and from divine guidance. And I was like, my whole body just lit up. And I'm like, this is it. I don't know how this is going to look in my work. But this is my work. And we talked about, you know, etheric body, and we talked about spirituality, and we talked about anatomy. And like, we literally went through everything. And it was just, you know, really transformative six months in my life. And when I came out of it, I knew in, my, in the back of my mind that I was going to be going back to coaching in some form, but I didn't know how because I really felt like that was part of my life purpose. And so when I came back to it, I'm like, I really need to teach all of this through my lens. And so I started developing this framework of self-care, of finding your voice. That's a big deal for me. Like, I really, really want women to use their voice. To say yes, to say no, to speak their truth. like if you can do that, yes. that's kind of like if I can just give one gift to all the women in the world, like use your voice. It's the most powerful thing you have, and you can't use it if you're not feeling well. And you can't use it if you're not present in your body and you can't use it if you don't even know what you want. So that that became sort of this um, real internal seed of a mission, and that has infused my work over the last you know several years, and really is why I do what I do. So, I don't even know what the question was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I think that this conversation is so important, especially for entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that tend to work ourselves just into the ground. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, how does this fit in for parents? Mm -hmm. How can mothers prioritize their own needs when they're so worried about taking care of everyone else? Yeah,
1: totally. And that's really, you know, when I started this, again, my son was really little and I remember even leaving to yoga the first day i was so i felt so guilty taking like taking time away from him i felt so like oh talking myself out of it the little guilt gremlins came up and mm. all of that and i was like maybe i should just not go <laughs> you know? and then what right. what started happening over time, thank goodness, I went and thank goodness, I started my morning practice, because what I started noticing really consciously was that when I did those things for myself, when I did go to the yoga class, when I went out for coffee with a friend, or when I did do my morning practice, even with a baby crawling around me, I was much more patient, much more playful, and much more present for my son. And that became my flag. (laughs) I'm like, when I do more of this, which was self care, I come back to my family in a way that I can be proud of. Because I I was sort of at the edge of my rope, I was distracting myself, I was numbing myself, I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, what, like, I just found myself not being able to be present, because I wasn't taking care of myself, essentially. (laughs) I was, I was, I was not being a happy mama, you know, like I was not sitting on the floor with him and playing. I was like on whatever it wasn't Facebook. I don't think there was Facebook yet, whatever that version was, like whatever the online version was, I was there (laughs) writing my blog or whatever I was doing at the time, you know, but I noticed the more time I took to just play myself, like do, do self care work for myself, the more I was able to be on the floor with my son playing, the more I was able to just go for a walk outside and jump in the puddles with him and just celebrate the moment instead of being distracted because you know what I find a lot of women do right now is like they're at work feeling guilty that they should be with their kid or they're with their kids thinking about their launch and it's a really unsettling place to be because you know there's part of you that knows the time is passing by there's part of you that knows that this moment is not going to be replicated and you're not there and so that layers this guilt on you which then makes you even more snappy and more upset and more like not present it's this really vicious cycle and so I would say just like understanding that the more present and intentional what you are about self-care the more present you are for your clients it's absolutely true for how you are as a parent and it and it is so important for our kids to see their moms and dads be almost selfish when it comes to that, because it gives them permission to say, I because they start to copy you, they're like little parrots, you know, I've heard my son say, like, I just need some time to think in my room, or I just need to go outside, or my body says this, like, he's watched me do what I haven't preached it to him I haven't done anything but here's the best example so I've been doing a morning practice for years since he was two sometimes with him crawling around me now he's like on the verge of teenagehood so he sleeps in right so I have my whole morning Um, but basically when he was about seven I would say six or seven he's 12 now I woke him up one day and he's like hey mom how come you're so happy when you wake me up? And I'm like, oh, that's a great question. I actually already have done my, my yoga practice. I've done my journaling. I've done my meditation. Um, and so I'm like ready to go for the day. And he looked at me and he's like, I want to do a morning practice. Oh. And I said, okay, well, and I w- didn't want to tell him what to do. So I just said, well, what do you want to do? What would it look like for you? And he said, okay, well, wake me up 20 minutes early. I want to take a bath. And then that's it. Like that's what he wanted to do. So literally for the, for years he stopped doing that since he entered like eleven or twelve. But for, for a
0: year, <laughs> middle school.
1: That was. I mean, our mornings were so amazing because I had my time, he had his time, and he literally like I would wake him up. He just sat there in bed then about 10 minutes later, I would start the water for him, he would go in his bath, and he would just lay there and sing and talk, whatever. And I was in my room doing, you know, my practice. And it was really powerful for me to see that I've affected his perception of what the morning can be like, because most yeah. mornings are like, rush, rush, got to go out the door, you know, like, get your socks, get brush your teeth, get your breakfast, It's like this constant rush. And it really was not like that for us at all, because he was, present and he was already awake and he was already he met his own physical needs and so mm-hmm. that was a huge thing and what a gift for him for his lifetime and what a gift for whatever partner he ends up with if he chooses to right like mm-hmm. it's a gift I mean and so I feel like I've affected the next generation of you know in my family um not only that I talk about it so much like with my niece and with other women in my life and their daughters like I I know I've affected women and their children that because that's how we create change and so um, even if you have a kid I would say I have a client who has a really little little one and she's like I don't even know what to do I don't I, I can't find time and I realized you know I'm like don't try to resist it like you can have a morning practice that includes your baby like what if you just put on some music and kept the lights low for an extra 10 minutes and just see what happens if you just let her crawl around for a little bit and you just say your affirmations and maybe you just get up and stretch a little bit and she's right there and she's like, oh, that sounds great. And so, you know, don't resist where you are. Like if you have a little one and they need you, you know, do it with them. And if you have a teenager, be very clear. Like, this is my time. Here's a do not disturb sign. And maybe they could, or I've had other clients who actually incorporate their older kids into it. So they create something together. And then when their kids go to school, then they do their own sort of journaling and nature and all that stuff. So again, your way, not my way, your way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I feel like we have a culture that rewards self-sacrifice and in some ways That's great, but in other ways, we take it too far Mm -hmm. in sacrificing our own needs for the needs of our children. When in fact, if our needs are met first, we're going to be able to better meet their needs. Mm -hmm. Or, I'm sorry, better meet their needs. Excuse me. So I absolutely love that. I um, couldn't agree more. I have, I have my morning practice. Although, admittedly, on the weekends I kind of slack, but Mm -hmm. um, during the week I do it and. My kids know that and they're okay with it. But at the same time, when my daughter comes in to snuggle, I yeah. <laughs> would just stay where we're at and it's all good. Mm-hmm. So you and I are both part of a transformational coaching program that we are almost done mm-hmm. with and a huge part of the message in the program and something that was literally life-changing for me is to change how you are being instead of what you're doing. Yeah. How have you seen this play out in your own life and business, especially with self-care?
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think so much of what we're learning in this program was so aligned with my belief system and what my sort of almost unspoken intentionality was behind teaching self-care as a daily practice. So for me, I think the being part, it put almost like this flashlight or spotlight on the parts where I was getting caught up in the story of like um, my own my own perceived limitations, if that makes sense. So I guess to yes. unpack that a little bit, where I was still seeing self-care as a necessity in all these different ways, and it is, I started seeing this pattern emerge where sometimes self-care could be used as self-sabotage. And I even recorded a podcast on it because it was this big epiphany where my own perceived limitations of what I was able to do or energetically do started shifting when I realized that my stories of hustle were still there a little bit. And I still felt like I needed to like do things a certain way or consistently or whatever my stories were around it. I started to realize that, again, on a deeper level, even than I knew before, that how I was being was more important and and not only being, but intentionally being. So it, it added this layer of like to my almost added to my morning practice of like, who do I want to be? And if I want to be that, what are the things I have to do? So it almost like put yes. it back on me to say, what am i not doing if if it's true that i want to be a successful, you know, international retreat leader and writer and all these things that i want to be, what would that person do now? and instead of um instead of psyching myself out of it, i saw the importance of me having to act that way now. like in my so for i guess concrete examples in realizing that i was still trying to do everything myself like, if I was a multi seven figure entrepreneur, would I be the one doing my Facebook ads? Like, would I be the one doing the graphics for my newsletter? Like, would yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> I be outsourcing that to someone amazing? And so oh, that's hard. it was hard. I was like, Oh, I'm still doing it. Oh, my gosh, I'm still doing those things myself. And so I'm kind of in the middle of a phase right now where I'm looking for a new assistant. And so I'm very consciously calling someone in who is able to grow and expand with me and who I can trust and delegate these things to, because I realized that I'm still limiting myself in some ways. So I am being sort of a little bit of the old version of me and still trying to do everything myself (laughs) and using self-care almost as a little bit of like a crutch saying like, well, as long as I manage my energy, then everything's okay. But my actions were still a little misaligned. So I am not being... (laughs) the woman that I could see is ready to sort of bloom because I'm still holding her down with the daily tasks. So that was awakening, right? Like, okay, great. I see it. So I hired someone like I'm writing this book. So I actually thought, well, I can procrastinate for another five years. So I just hired someone to help me like a writing coach to help me do that because that's who I want to be. I want to be someone who gets the support that I need in the areas that I need. Um, I hired someone who edits my podcast, so I don't have to do anything. I just have to do the recording and send it to him, and he does all that. You know, I hire someone to clean my home because that's what I. You know, it's like I'm being more of who I want to be. So yes, yes definitely changed a lot. Um, it's just like it brought a depth to my awareness and how yes, self care, yes, managing my energy, and aligning with the things that the me who I want to be does. (laughs) So it was good. It's good stuff.
0: I love that. I love that question. Who do I want to be every morning to consider if you want to be, I don't know, I'm just making something up, an Oscar winning actor. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that person do? I really love that question. I might have to add that to my affirmations recording.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one.
0: Because it totally makes yeah. sense. Well, what are the best ways for an entrepreneur to get aligned every day? We talked about the magic morning. What Kind of goes into that. What does someone need to look out
1: for? Yes, yeah, so I'll give you the basic three steps of how I teach it. And if someone is interested in in seeing me say it, I have a video where I break everything down. I give lots of ideas. And it's simply on Elena Lipson.com. It's my opt-in. I, I post it on Facebook every once in a while, but it's basically the best way to start figuring out what your magic morning practice would look like. And I consciously call it a magic morning practice because it feels magical when you do it. It feels like, okay, Mm -hmm. I woke up feeling all these fears, I woke up feeling doubt. And now I've done this, and I'm ready to start my day. And I can do it like with this energy that's different. So basically, the three steps are something for your mind, something for your body and something for your sort of spiritual connection. And the way I do that is, you wake up, and you can do it in any, any order doesn't have to be, you know, one, two, three. So the thing for the mind would be to clear the cobwebs because I believe when we sleep, our subconscious has a ball and it basically gives us our, you know, every reason why we shouldn't, can't, won't. I I know, I know I'm not alone in waking up at like three in the morning with like, what have I just done? What have I committed to? I can't do this. No one's ever going to read my stuff. (laughs) What if I can't write, you know, all those fears come up and you wake up with that. So that those are the cobwebs. So to clear the cobwebs, I I took a practice from the artist way from Julia Cameron, who I love, and basically added that into the morning practice in my own way. So basically, you wake up, and you start with just writing whatever comes to mind a little bit of that kind of um, spontaneous writing. I always wrap that up with affirmations and really just what I feel that day. And then I set my intention, who do I want to be today? How do I how do I want to show up? And usually, Like my main one is I want to be present for every conversation. I want to be present for my relationships. So being present for me is a very important intention that I set. And that could be literally a minute or it could be 30 minutes, like however you feel called to write. And some days it could be a minute because I just maybe have less time or I woke up late or whatever. But if you have more time, of course, you can get out some more of those fears or intentions or whatever it is you want to do. The second thing is, this is very, very, very important. If you do only one thing, I would say do this one. And it is to activate your body because your body is the energetic presence that you show up with. So I call it igniting your inner pilot light because you actually feel a little bit of that heat happening in your sort of heart area. And so whatever that is for you, it could be, you know, and again, if you have just a minute, do a minute but you can do some yoga stretches. You can do a little bit of putting on a song and doing some dancing. You can do, um, Pilates stretches, like whatever, you can just put on music and dance literally. And you can, you can shift your energy so dramatically that you can go from dreading your day to being excited for your day, just with intentional movement. And the third thing is the spiritual connection, because I feel for myself, that one of the best attributes that I've developed over time through my own spiritual practice is a trust in the divine unfolding of my day, of my life, of my business. So if something goes wrong or if something gets rescheduled or if something, whatever, I can trust that it's okay. Like nothing is messed up here. It's going to be fine. In fact, it's probably going to be better. Like it's this trust and faith in the way things unfold. And so for me, that looks like you know, I love to sit on my meditation pillow and light a candle and do a little sage. I love doing that. But really, it could just be as simple as sitting on the side of your bed with your hands up and just breathing for a minute. If you can just do that, because breathing and meditation can can actually in real time, change the wiring in your brain, right? Because if you can take seven deep breaths or 3 deep breaths, you start to actually affect your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the reaction that a lot of people go to with fear when they are, um, scared of something coming up or, or in self-sabotage or in self, or just, they like are just scared a little bit of what they need to do. Your body goes into that fight or flight or freeze response and breath can actually bring you back down. So if you're used to living at this subtle level of anxiety all the time, then breath work can be a very powerful way to start shifting how you feel in your body. So Those are the three simple things, mind, body, spirit. So writing in a journal, even if it's all you're doing. And literally some days, if I wake up sleepy, I just write, thank you for my eyes. Thank you for my legs. Thank you for my body. Thank you for my breath. Like just gratitude, 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 gratitude. And then I go into my movement practice, which I love to dance. I'm a dancer. So that's what I choose to do. Or I go for a walk. And the third thing is that meditation. And again, it doesn't matter what order you do it in. But that's the basics of it. And I would just say, just try it for like two days. Try it for one day. Once you Mm -hmm. see, you feel differently when you start your day, I would say, you know, from my research over the years, every single person who's created anything in their lives over a long period of time has had some sort of morning practice. And I would say if you're feeling yourself flailing a little bit or if you're just feeling overwhelmed by parenthood and entrepreneurship, you know, give yourself this little point, like it's a little portal into joy, right? It's a little portal into reconnecting with yourself and remembering that you are worthy and beautiful and capable in that moment (laughs) and let that be a seed for the rest of your day. That's how I see.
0: And that you are, that you, and that you are all of those things because you are you. Uh, Yeah. Not because of external. Yeah. I absolutely love that. When you, so to kind of go back to the the fear and waking up with the cobwebs and you just write, do you write down the negative stuff too, or just write down? You no, know,
1: and I've always thought about that. And I'd love to hear your perception on it too, because I'm like, well, do I write the negative stuff in my gratitude journal or what do I do? And so I'm, I love journals. I'm a little bit of a journal freak. I have three of them oh. sitting in front of me because what I find <laughs> works for me is I like to have specific journals for specific things. So I have my journal, my gratitude journal that I write every night. It's just that. The gratitude journal or the journal for my processing of like, you know, fears and relationships. It's just that. It's just that one. And then I have a separate one for visioning and creating and like, you know, a year from now, kind of taking a moment to go there and writing my dreams and my goals and things like that. So I would say for me, I like them separated because I don't like it all mashed up into one. Um, that That's a practice that I have found because some people are like, oh, you can never have a negative thought. You can never write your fears. And that's cool. I get it. Like you have to find peace with your own practice. In the past, I've even gone on to my, I've opened a Word document and I've written, 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 written things, like just get it out and then I delete it. And I'm like, oh, that feels so good. Um, one of the practices that I teach in one of my rituals courses, it's called journal and burn because that feels so good sometimes to just write, write, write. You write it all up and then you like rip it up and burn it. And it feels like an energetic release. So that's something I really have loved to do for all the negative stuff because I'm just, I'm naturally a positive person, but I also have a tendency to, um, not talk about the negative enough because I feel like it's going to affect my energy, (laughs) which is weird. Mm -hmm. So I've developed a practice of journal and burn, which I teach to my clients because I think you need to get it out. You can't just keep it in. That'll make you sick. Right. So I write, 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 and I'll burn it, and then it feels really good.
0: I agree. I put mine on Post-it Ooh. so that I can tear nice. them up and throw That's them away. That's
1: cool. I like that. <laughs>
0: that way they're gone because you do need to get them out, and I feel like there's such a, a an attitude of focus on the positive, yeah. which I definitely do, but the fear is there. It's real, and you can't just ignore it. Totally it's there and acknowledging it and moving forward will make such a big difference.
1: Totally. And I think ignoring it's probably one of the things that I did during that whole like decade of hustling is that there was just no time, you know, you just keep going and there's no pause. There's no ritual around processing it. And I think that's probably part of the reason why my body started to go into this really bad place because emotions are energy in your body, right? And so without processing it, I believe we do create illness and disease in our body. If we're not. Um, accounting for the messiness and the sadness and the grief and the trauma and everything else. So I think somatic, like one of the, one of the frameworks that I teach is movement as medicine with the somatic release of emotions. And it's, it's, I teach it at retreats and I teach it, you know, during my virtual retreats. And it's such a powerful practice. You see women just like move, sob, and then laugh. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I just didn't even know that was in there. And it's really powerful. It's probably one of the most powerful things I teach is the movement is medicine. So, yeah.
0: And you can actually feel it go away. in, mm-hmm. your Yeah. When you let those things go, I, I know I can feel, I hold all my stress in my mm-hmm. shoulders and my neck. Mm-hmm. And so I can actually feel them loosen up, which is it amazing is. when you think about how much those things affect your Her
1: body. Body's so brilliant. Yeah. It really good. I love it.
0: I love it. I one of my coaches told me I can never tell anyone this term because it will scare <laughs> them. But neuroplasticity yeah, I love that <laughs> is fascinating mm-hmm. to me. The fact that we can literally retrain our brains from a biological standpoint, that's amazing. It
1: that's crazy stuff. It's totally. It makes sense. Like you can break a bone and it heals. So why not, you know, your mind and your synapses and your neurons, they're all just being attentive to your thoughts and your ideas and your energy. So they want to know what's next. So whatever you're thinking today is going to show up tomorrow. So why not take, you know, take control of that? So, yeah, I totally get that. And your body sort of is that mirror for your thoughts, too. It's a huge discussion, which is like another 10 I know. hours.
0: <laughs> I know. I she told me, she goes, you can't use that word. (laughs) (laughs) It'll scare people, but I love it. I I think think it's interesting. What are your feminine metrics of success
1: and why are they? Yeah. Okay. I love this. Okay. So my feminine metrics of success are pleasure, play, ease, grace. And I go back and forth between saying, I trust trusting your pace or a slower pace, but in my podcast, you'll hear me say a slower pace. Um, Because I feel like in order to create what you need to create, you have to slow down a beat, like to really be present for your life, and then trust your pace. So those are important metrics, because to me, it feels like so many of us are trained in this social contract that we're all living in to have to strive for success, to have to strive for these external metrics of money and cars and houses. And those are all great. I love cars. I mean, I'm a car girl from the beginning. Um, And I understand, I've come to understand over the last 20 years that my, my experience on a daily basis is an actual mini like microcosm of what's happening in my business. So I have found that the more I I intentionally play, the more I intentionally don't discount the need for pleasure in my life, both in the bedroom and in my body. And ease as a framework, meaning why does it have to be hard? How can I make this easier? How can I, how can I do it yes. in a way that feels more fun? And those are questions I literally have posted on a massive post-it note on the back of my door in of my office for the last five years. How can I make it more fun? How can I make it um, more profitable? And how can I make it more playful? And I ask these questions because the more I do that, the more it reflects how I choose to do it and the more it's unique to my voice. So ease and grace, grace means that it is being blessed by the universe (laughs) to me. Like it feels like it adds a little bit of that synchronicity. So I, I see if the metrics are happening, if I'm consciously creating pleasure with myself and my husband, if I'm playful with my son, if I'm inviting more ease if I'm experiencing grace, which to me looks like synchronicities and that was perfect timing and I was at the right place at the right time, right? And then of course, a slower pace, which means I don't feel like I'm rushing. I don't feel like I'm too busy to live my life. I don't feel like I'm too busy to have a conversation with my son or, or, or just go to a movie with him. If those metrics are happening, then I can see it reflected in my business. And if those metrics for me are not happening, I could also see the the strain and constraint in my business. And I feel like I'm pushing more than I want to. And I feel like I have to do something versus enjoying the process. Because why can't a launch be fun and playful and joyful? Why does it have to be so stressful? Like, why do I have to complain about it? I don't because I can do it my way. I can do it. You know, I can extend the launch window. I can do things that I really want to do. I can hire parts of it out. So that's how the metrics come into play. And they're feminine metrics because, it's very um, hard for me as a woman to constantly be in my head, strategic, I need to be in my body more than I am in my head, because we have the mind, the heart and like the gut, right. And so a lot of women spend a lot of time in their mind trying to figure their business out, without the trust that they can be a little more heart led, they could be a little more um, in their body, meaning like if their body is tired, instead of pushing through to the next thing, they can really take a break and go outside or take a nap or take a bath or whatever it is. Like there's this, it's a weaving in of understanding that we can do both the feminine and the masculine, and they can be together and they, they are both required. But I don't want to miss out on the feminine metrics because To me, my mantras are like, the more I play, the more money I make, the more pleasure I experience, the more opportunities just land in my lap. Like those are the mantras that I use because that's how I want to be in my life and in my business. I don't want to just be, you know, thinking about the next 90 days and like sitting in the strategy all the time, but both are required.
0: Yeah. Yes. I want to kind of back up a little bit and go to
1: mm-hmm. this
0: because I feel like this is something that we kind of fight against, which sounds so yeah. silly to say, but I did not hire a housekeeper <laughs> for my yeah. house because I didn't want my son to learn that he was too good to
1: clean Yeah, I hear you.
0: And that is something that was really important to me. I wanted him to understand that he is always to take care of himself. But man, once I hired that house cleaner, mm-hmm. oh they are my favorite people every three mm-hmm. weeks. And and I feel like we fight these these things that can make our life easier because of blocks that we have in our own lives whether it's, you know, status or money or anything else. So what have you found to kind of release some of those blocks to invite more ease into your life? What has helped you? Yeah,
1: I think, again, back to like that, the noticing of who I'm being, the perception and the old stories come up, right? So my perception was very similar to yours. Like if I hire someone to clean my house, is that teaching my son that he doesn't have to do anything? And that's just a story. It's a story. Like there's plenty of people who do amazing work in the world who had housekeepers that are good people. (laughs) So it's like, or, or I would say like, if, if it's true that successful people are all organized, then if I'm being disorganized and I can't be successful, it's like these stories that we tell ourselves that we limit ourselves by. So for me, the ease part comes in to not so much like it has to always be easy, but I want it. I want an ease in what I do. So easy and ease are, they're subtle, like I love language. So they are little subtle changes easy means that it's never going to feel difficult, right? Ease means that I am so challenged right now because I'm learning what it takes to write a book, but I'm so excited by it that I'm inviting ease into it, which might look like, okay, I want to have like time to write, but I want to do it in a place that I feel really expansive. So maybe I'll go to my favorite restaurant where it's overlooking the water and I'll order a glass of Prosecco and a snack and I'll sit there and write and that feels like ease to me versus making myself struggle by sitting on an uncomfortable chair in my office for three hours in the dark like you know what I mean like I can invite ease into what I'm doing or if there's a day where my body just feels like it wants to rest and actually I have hosted my group calls like there's been days where it overlaid my like my moon cycle and so I'm just feeling like I can't sit in a chair So instead of canceling the call, I sit on the couch with a really fuzzy blanket and I invite the ladies to to witness my embodiment of what it looks like to be honoring my body and still hosting the call because I love hosting my calls. The conversations are amazing, but I want to do it on the couch with a fuzzy blanket. And so in me giving myself permission to find ease in my work, I give them permission too. And so with the cleaning the house thing, I'm very consciously communicating that to my son, like, I am hiring this woman to come and clean our house because it makes me so happy to walk into a house that's clean. I love the three we have three bathrooms in this small house, but there's like three full baths and she cleans those and I just hate cleaning the bathrooms. I'm like I'm hiring her and I'm I'm paying her well and I love having her, her energy's amazing. And you know what? In the in between the time that she's here we're still responsible for keeping the house clean. Like we don't just leave stuff all over the place. We don't let it go to shit because you know we know someone's coming in a week. So both things can be true. We can take responsibility for it. And also we can honor the fact that I am inviting this ease into my house because I love a clean home and I have other things to do with my time. (laughs) That both things can be true. So the stories that we tell ourselves, I'm very conscious of things that like when I say that, Oh, if he doesn't clean his room, he's going to be lazy. Like, is that really true? Or is that just my own little story from my childhood that my mom maybe told me or I think is still true? So I'm very conscious of noticing those kind of things. I'm not perfect. I still do those. We all have stories. We're all storytellers. You just become more and more um, conscious of when you say something and you're you're like, wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) Is that true? And yes. then you could say, you know what, maybe it is true. Maybe it's not true. But again, like, you know, we learned I am the thinker of my thoughts, right? So I get to notice um, when I'm thinking something that is just doesn't feel like true anymore. And sometimes something's true for a certain amount of time. And then you evolve and you grow. And it's not true anymore. <laughs> so you grow. Yes,
0: we have so many shifts yeah. in, our, in our brains. Sure. Like, I recently started having my groceries mm-hmm. delivered. Nice. Regularly and in my brain i'm like i should be going to the grocery <laughs> store i should be doing this for myself why 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 who cares whether someone brings me my groceries or i let myself to the store it doesn't Absolutely. matter but we have so many shoulds in our brain that just need to go
1: away i'm with you i think we eat obligation for breakfast and like guilt for lunch and shoulds for dinner and we need oh to gosh. just take a deep breath and Be kind to ourselves and get some support. I mean, we used to live in villages, right? Like even when I was little, when I was little in Russia, like our whole family lived in this one sort of set of houses. And I think it must have planted a seed in me. Like we just need to be in a village. We need to be supportive. We need to ask for help. And I'm not great at it at all. Um, It actually almost feels easier to hire someone than to ask a friend for help for me sometimes. So I'm definitely, I've still got stories that I need to unwind a little bit um, because I'm the first one to help when somebody asks. Yet I'm very reticent to like be the person asking for help because I feel so independent. So I think those are, it it all goes with, like we teach what we're supposed to learn, right? I believe that. So for me, I'm constantly like, wait a minute, I'm teaching, but what am I not doing? And so asking for help has been a big one for me that I still work on. Oh, I'm getting better, but it's still not easy.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. so hard. Oh my gosh. Well, Elena, thank you. Am I saying your name right? Elena or It depends
1: Elena? whether you're from like Italy. You can say Elena, but no, it's Elena. But I love I love how you okay. said it too. It's all good. <laughs>
0: Well, where can people find you? Like learn more about you. We talked about your website a little bit earlier, but
1: what do you have? Before? Yeah, thank you. I think the the place that I play the most often is on Instagram, and it's Elena underscore Lipson because <laughs> that's my account. Um, but also Lipson dot com, e l e n a Lipson dot com is where you'll find my podcast and my membership program and my all my other you know social media things. But again, the place that you can message me. Is usually on Instagram. I get lots of messages on there and like comments on my posts. So I love to engage there and I answer everything myself. I don't have like, obviously, I just said I'm looking for an assistant, but I love, I I really love to engage with people and just ask questions. And so that's the best way to reach me.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I know that we're going to have a ton of show notes from this, uh, books and everything. So if you have any questions or want to click on a link, you can't remember the website, no problem. Or maybe you're driving and can't write it down right now. Check out the show notes at www.businessstraightuppodcast.com. I know it's long, it's all one word and all of the show notes will be there Thank you so much, Elena. I so appreciate you being here. What an amazing conversation.
1: Oh, thank you, Brooke. I really enjoyed it too. That's why I do these. Like I love these conversations because something new always comes out and I learn as much as I talk, hopefully. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to stay connected.
0: I think it will be amazing. And the rest of 2018 is just going to get
1: crazy. I agree. Us. I agree. <laughs> Let's do it.
0: Thank you so much for being here. And to all of our listeners, you have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening to Business Straight Up. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Check out the show notes for this and all of the episodes at businessstraightuppodcast.com. And I can't wait to talk with you again. Have a great day.